Hello everyone and welcome to Paranormal or No. I'm your host Jake Weberg. Join me as we discuss anything and everything paranormal from myths, legends, popular equipment, trending topics, and everything in between. Let's go. Welcome everybody to Paranormal or No. This is our first episode. It's labeled Ghosts in the Ozarks. And I got a special guest on here, Craig Parsons with me. Um, I, Craig's a colleague, a former colleague of mine. Um, we used to work at a residential facility together. And um, we got a couple stories that are similar from the residential facility. But also, um, we got some other things that him and I both have run on to separately. But what, what brought us to this episode in... In particular, was the fact that him and I share a lot of interests with the paranormal and, and things that are just unexplained in general, not simply just ghosts or or whatever, but but cryptids, everything. So, um, well, thanks for having me on, Jake. It's good to be on. I'm I'm, I'm pleased as punch to hear that your uh, that your show is uh, taken off. I saw your fancy equipment, and I'm I'm excited for you, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. It's good to have you on here, and I'm I'm glad that even though we you're running into issues with the software, we we're able to at least make something happen, especially um, to get out there for listeners and viewers. Oh yeah, I, I think uh, I think once people uh, hear some of these stories, uh, uh, maybe not only it picks up steam and viewership, but also that uh, people have their own testimonies about. Uh, weird phenomenon and whatnot but um yeah uh <laughs> that's crazy that not only did we befriend each other at you know youth care and psychiatric care facility together but we also experienced some phenomena there and uh i think yours is a pretty interesting story so i i i'd like i'd like that we start off with your little tale if possible well I guess we can we can go ahead and touch up um, our residential stories because I think that that for one brought us together big because I know when I told you mine that and you're like oh boy I got something to tell you <laughs> so that that really <laughs> so, so um, uh, m- mine is similar in the sense that it, it there wasn't really occurrences in our facility and we worked with like a, you know, disadvantaged youths or troubled youths, behavioral, uh, we're looking at behavioral issues and uh, maybe developmental issues. And um, they were kept in the facility with hopes that, you know, psychiatry and um, therapy uh, would improve, you know, how they live their lives. And uh, me and Jake met each other um, briefly, I think, in Emerson, but we started working Bush Cottage together, which was uh, 
the younger boys uh, were talking anywhere from five to about 12 years old. Mm. So we had little boys with us in our cottage. But the tale that sticks out to me is that uh, a night staff on the on the, um, there's software that was connected to all the cameras in the facilities and um, some of the night staff had access to the um, security footage and uh, I'm not gonna lie it was quite possibly one of the eeriest things it was one of the first like irrefutable bits of proof that a it was a doctor um and b the guy wasn't really uh i mean he wasn't artistic enough to pull something off like that with the <laughs> crappy grainy footage of those cameras yeah. but also that he's not the kind of guy that would do that um he, he kind of just basically showed us because he was baffled by it. So, um, did you want to did you want to touch base and kind of talk about what you saw? Yeah, I, I mean, I had a couple nights that I had to stay a little later and kind of help regulate uh, the residents there because you know they, they trusted me, and when anytime you bring in new staff, they always act crazy. And that's um, writing some of my reports for the night. I I kind of. I kept glancing up at the CCTV camera and I was looking at the display and it looked like one of the kids was out of bed and it just happened to be a hallway of one of the kids that liked to push my buttons late at night. And so I, I was like, you know what? And I went down there and I, he kept telling me, no, Mr. Jake, I'm not out of my bed. I, I promise I'm not getting out of my bed. And so I put my phone at the end of the hallway and I didn't get nothing on my phone except for the fact that I was able to prove that he was not getting out of his room. However, when I went back and kept typing on my reports, I kept seeing this blur out of the corner of my eye and I'd look at the CCTV camera and it looked like a kid running around in the hallway and then he'd dip behind into one of the rooms and gone. But then I started paying attention to which room he was running into and it was our storage room, which is always locked. Always, you know, there was no way to get in. Only, only the lead staff had a key for it. So, it, yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't like, it wasn't like anybody, just anybody could go in there. And so I went down and I, I made sure the door was secure. It was locked. The outside door was locked. There was no way that anyone could have gone in there. But according to the camera, somebody was run down the hallway and dipping into the, the room. So that, that to me kind of wigged me out. And then of course, anytime I was sitting out, you know, just hanging out in the great room, making sure all the kids were going to bed, I could hear, you know, just little little tidbits of noise it just sound like people walking up and down the hallways all the time. And it just, I mean, for me, I didn't, besides seeing it on the CCTV camera, I didn't see it anywhere else. But every time I talked to a staff about it, they'd say, oh, yeah, check this out. And they'd show me a video that, you know, they were recording their CCTV camera. And they could, they had their own videos of it. And I just, I'm like, so what, is, is every one of these, you know, it's, every one of these cottages got, got something in there? because. That's what I was thinking because, um, well, not only is the, the the entire campus, which is like, I think something crazy, like 631 square acres, but mm -hmm. it was built uh, 
pre more uh, two. Yeah. So that I mean, they're old, and we don't know how many bodies have uh, passed through. And and the unfortunate truth is also uh, sometimes nobody's fault, you know, of their own. But there have been deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime you were, anytime you have a mental health facility open, an unfortunate truth is that you, you're dealing with volatile people. Yeah. And unfortunately, de- death is likely. You know, there's 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 been tons of residents that have had health problems, um, and that's heavy stuff on its own. But um, I recall one night I had to work in. I'm not gonna refer to him by name because we don't have like a means to do that. I don't know if we have the legal means to do that. But uh, <laughs> our soup, our fearless leader, our supervisor. He asked me to stay in overnight, and since the following day I was off, I was like, that's easy money, you know? Yeah. So a night staff from a neighboring cottage shows me some footage, and uh, I'm not going to lie, the guy was kind of annoying, and I, I really didn't want to entertain him, but he said that he couldn't explain it, so I instantly kind of, you know, perked into the conversation. Yeah. I was like, sure, let's see it. I'm, you've got my interest now. And he pulls out a laptop, and he's got the CCTV. Uh, he's got the channel that he recorded. And I was like, oh, that's the stuff cottage, you know. And there's probably a good solid minute of nothing happening. And I was like, wow, that's 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 amazing. And I wasn't <laughs> super nice. I wasn't always super nice to this guy. He kind of annoyed me. Yeah. But, uh. I'm watching, and I see a folded, um, like a folded, like a folded chair that they would like sometimes bring out for, uh, you know, like the group therapies and stuff. Mm. And I kid you not, it 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 walked on the two hind legs, like pivoting, further into the great room before it unfolded. And then it started scooting, and the hairs on my back, just like, my neck, you know, I was freaked out. I was freaked out just seeing that. And I said, how, like, how often do, do these occurrences happen? He said, it's it's actually almost commonplace. We, He's like, I went into uh, some of the empty, empty rooms, because, um, you know, when you're, if you've ever worked it overnight, there is like almost a, a very strict routine you have to follow. Uh, you have certain types of logs, and then um, you're walking down the hallways and you're observing the rooms. And uh, there's lull periods where sometimes you have like a lot of residents, and sometimes you don't have as many. And this was the latter. There was a lot of empty rooms. And uh, he's like, I kid you not, I saw like a pale person laying in one of the, like above where a mattress should be on the, on the, on these kind of cheaply made beds. Yeah. And he said it just made him, he just felt pure terror. 
you know, just absolute terror because like you're peering into these rooms and, uh, unless the rooms are facing the street on cottage Hill, there's almost no light. The yeah. only light you'll see is coming down from the Kresge building or the, the schools like this from dust to dawn lights. Mm-hmm. So he saw like a source of illumination in one of the empty rooms. Like the, there was a glowing, you know, some, it was faint, but it was bright enough to scare the bejesus out of you. Yeah, so no. I, I saw some footage like that. I saw, I saw these night staff being like, what is this? You know, I always thought it was weird that they hired uh, that they hired a bunch of you know chaplains for the chapel to do church services, but they never thought, hey, these guys get overpaid and they don't hardly you know visit the kids. We should at least get them to like purify the rooms or something. <laughs> yeah, go through it, go through and bless the cottage and <laughs> cleanse it. Yeah. <laughs> These kids don't act like net, you know, nutballs, but no, uh, yeah, there, 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 there are some rooms. There, there is definitely some places on the campus that made me feel uneasy. I always thought the closer that you went towards, uh, oh, uh, they had a name for it, but the arena. Oh, Have yeah. you ever had any dealings out in the arena before? Oh yeah, that's where they had all them. That's where they had all them cars that that they eventually tried yeah, to sell to people that were like falling apart and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, that's that's that and that's that's something that I tried to explain as much as I could to people, just because of of my expertise in the field. Just a lot of people don't realize that when you have a lot of emotion, a lot of traumatic things, a lot of heightened senses. Um, that creates the perfect atmosphere for manifestations, but also it kind of seems like it always ramps up, um, the residual type hauntings as well. So if there is something that's residual there, a lot of times it makes it more clear. Yeah. Yeah. All those, all those things you stated, I agree with, but I also think just down to the fact that there's a lot of youth Yeah. and for some reason, since the dawn of time, anybody that's. Uh, had a uh, you know ghost story they're, they're almost inexplicably tied to kids you know so yeah. I don't know if there's something to that either but I thought in my opinion the scariest place on campus uh, in my in my personal opinion was the bike trail um and the last like few years, there's been several deaths. Transients just showing up dead, like transient people. Yeah. Um, there was a murder. Uh, two residents killed a kid out there. Yeah. Um, I would. I I used to take kids out there until. Uh, I don't know. There's like a sensation that people are watching you like you're being watched. Um, yeah, it's awfully unfortunate that I hated going out there. I got to a point where I don't know, it just felt heavy and I preferred not going out there and the kids would get kind of mad, you know, cause that was one of their favorite spots to go kind of 
have little adventures and whatnot, but uh, yeah. And then you hear stuff like people dying or being murdered out there, like people passing through on 66. People don't realize how big of a transient population we've almost doubled in the past few years, and they've, yeah. for some reason, have ended up on that trail. Dead bodies. For whatever reason, it's like the it's like the Bermuda Triangle of old highways. You know, Highway 66 has been one that's like a lot of it's drawn a lot of people. One, it's off the regular main interstate, so a lot of people think, "Well, I'm gonna take this back road and avoid police." But not only that, but then you get, you know, you get a lot of people that they use it as a, a mode of travel for walking and stuff like that, walking to their jobs, and then what you know. That's- now biking's been popular with some of the, the millennial crowd, I guess you can say. There's so many bikers, so many bicyclists, so many, like, um, you know. Uh, well, hell, one time I was out there, a professor and his family, a professor from MST, started getting giving kids uh, geology lessons on the rolling hills that we were sitting on. But, uh... I almost feel like it's that that whole area was probably important to maybe what were the tribes like that lived here because we had like a historians call it a fruit basket yeah for native uh, activity a lot of tribes lived semi permanently you know like it. They'd live here for a while, and somebody'd push them out. A tougher tribe, a tougher tribe. White people, disease. You know, uh, there was like Shawnee, Pawnee, um, Ozark, Osage. Osage, yeah. Osage was a big one in that area. Yeah, and um, so you you have a lot of these tribes traveling through here, and it almost just feels like if if and. The area, the bike trail itself is so scenic and picturesque. It's probably like one of the little best hidden gems, but it's almost also you get a feeling like something residual from all these people in the old days passing through. Yeah. Something something clings, you know, something sticks around. Uh, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not the only one. Like people, you know, people claim that they feel a little uneasy out there. And like I said, you know, there's a murder out there uh, and people people of St. James and Cuba don't talk about it yeah but uh, there's definitely activity there when I think of Ozarkian activity because uh, this place is so this place is such a hotbed for strange phenomenon and honestly we, me and you should probably have a full segment one day about just uh the Mark Twain National Forest itself because oh, yeah. of uh, phenomenon, but uh, that, that's another can of worms for another time. But uh, as far as like where we're from, St. James, you know, um, Spook Hollow was was eerie. Um, I thought the Snelson Brinker cabin had some eeriness to it. Um, the oldest cabin in Phelps County's. Uh, it recently burned down. I guess some some uh, knuckleheads vandalized it. But uh, yeah, they had a string of arsons down there, and and I guess they they decided that of all places, the one of the most famous historic buildings in the area would be the best thing to burn down. I guess I don't know. 
and, and 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 even from like paranormal aside, the building, the area was just gorgeous. Yeah, it was so well maintained. Um, there's some weirdness to that, and that involves a tale about a. Uh, a young slave woman that allegedly drowned the children. Uh, Westco, not far from there, a little town. Uh, that was that was eerie. That was an eerie experience. Um, someone told me not too long ago that a little ways away from the fort, Fort Hood, or not Fort Hood, Fort Leonard Wood. Um, there's a little town called Bloodland, Bloodland, Missouri, mm-hmm. and they said those old cemeteries and mausoleums are very creepy. The town's a little creepy place. Might have to take but, me to drive one of these days. <laughs> yeah, it's not too far from the base, but so just a little town called Bloodland. They said that. Uh, People, people have uh, some, some inexplicable, you know, unexplainable, like uh, just weird, just weird uh, happenings, you know, that happen there. One of the weirdest. I think we should tell your story, and then I'll tell mine regarding uh, Pine Hill Cemetery, the Spook Hollow Road story. But I think you should tell your hunting story. Okay. Well, uh, I, I'm really, I'm really excited to hear this. Well, I had a lot of crazy things happen over the years of living in the Ozarks, and I ran on to a lot of things I couldn't explain. But the one night that completely just chilled me to my bones. <laughs> I mean, to the point like it took me a little bit to get back out in the woods again, at least on this particular property because it kind of wigged me out. But, um. I used to take my hounds out every night, let them run the hills. They'd chase raccoons and do, do their thing, you know, run onto an occasional deer every now and then. Um, and I'd just do my best to keep up. It was good exercise for me. And uh, I invested in some GPS tracking collars because I got tired of not being able to find my dogs. And so, or knowing exactly where they were at. And that being said, um, I hooked them all up this GPS tracking system. I mean, I used it for like a year straight, not a single issue. It always stayed updated. They were always charged before we went out. Um, and I started hunting this property, uh, my neighbor's property, yeah, like 260 acres. It used to be owned by Missouri S&T College. Um, okay. It was used for, it was originally an iron ore strip mine. And they okay. they procured the property because of the fact that it had prop, you know, mineral properties, and and they were using it for studies for their school. They also used it for, I think it's the Greek games. I think is what they did down there, where they'd have a bunch of activities right. and stuff for the college. Um, and so, like at any given time, you could go down there and take a shovel and dig up like six or seven old beer bottles and beer cans from back in the day, like, you know, right. perfect labels and stuff still on them. Yeah, so that so that place has like a lot of history already. Not to mention it was mined. Um the property itself was mined 
uh, with slave labor, um, and there were slave shacks on the property, and you, the foundations are still there, um, but a lot of it's been turned over and, and, and dirt filled in on top of it. Um, but I went and I talked to the owner, he's a good friend of ours, um, I talked to him, and he told he told me a, a story that he had found out through the college about um, back when they had Union and Confederate skirmishes in the area. They basically there used to be uh, two Union forts in Rolla, Missouri that were set up. Um, one where the college is now, and one where the Wyman Elementary is. Um, and they had Confederate bushwhackers come through the area. They wound up on the farm, which is the current property. Too. Yeah, and that was and that they had a band of Confederate skirmishers come through, or you know, bushwhackers pretty much come through the area, and happened upon this property. Went in, tried to basically raid the house, asked them for all their supplies, all their stuff. They're basically forcing them to give up their things. Um, one of the sons had gotten away to head to town to go tell the Union troops that, hey, we need some help. You know, he escaped on horseback. Hey, we need some help. We need we need somebody to come out here. Um, the Confederate soldiers, in the meantime, did unspeakable things to the family, uh, eventually killed them, didn't. You know, didn't bother burying the bodies. When the Union troop, when the Union troops came through, the Confederate soldiers were still there, and uh, they met a very untimely death <laughs> on the property. Um, and to corroborate, uh, corroborate that story, the current owner now uh, was out one day, and he found just a kind of a like a mound looking deal on his property and out of it looked like a, a belt was sticking out and he pulled out of this mound on his property, a Confederate pistol belt from this mound, wow, which would cor corroborate them just being, you know, loosely buried on the property. Um, so that night, you know, I'm, I'm already like super excited cause I love history. That's big for me, especially civil war history. Sure. Um, right. He, I took my dogs out. We're running one night, perfect moonlit night. I mean, clear, huge, bright moon. And I'm looking and watching where my dogs are going. And I see one of them run past me and the light shuts off on their collar. And, and it normally would blink non, you know, uh, continue or not continuously, but intermittently on the collar, you can yeah. see a light blink. Well, then it went off and I thought well that's weird because that's how I usually can see where they're at look down at my GPS handheld lost connection with the dog I thought oh well that's just silly you know maybe it'll come back in then my other dog runs by hits the exact same point loses signal I'm like well maybe it's just a dead spot right so I go to the top of the hill hoping to get them keyed back in they come up to the top of the hill still off I'm walking my handheld shuts off Almost as if it had completely gone dead. Just shuts off. So now I got two dog collars off. So they didn't just lose communication. They completely shut off. My That's hand, crazy. my handheld completely shut off. 
And I'm like, I'm freaking out because I'm like, well, I'm going to lose my dogs now because, I mean, I know the property, but they were, they were chasing something, right? Um, and then out of the blue, they all come back on. Everything just like, phew, boom, same time. Collars came back on, handheld came back on. And these are all items that when they're off, you have to hold the buttons down to turn them back on. So that already weirded me out enough. Um, right. Then I continue walking and I wind up on this cart path. It looks kind of like a... a, a like a levee on the, like a backside of a lake. And it's where they used to cart across the iron ore by mules or by mule team across there. And on one end, you have the iron ore strip mine. Then you got the cart path that kind of crosses in between. And then on the other side is where these slave quarters used to be. But I did not know that at the time. Um, and I start walking across towards the iron ore strip mine. So walking away from the slave quarters, my dogs come running towards me, throw on the brakes. I'm talking, these dogs stopped almost dead in their tracks, hair on their back, stand straight up. And they start growling. Like it scared the hell out of me. I'm thinking they're, you know, either there's a mountain lion or a bear behind me, because that's the only thing that I could think of would make my dog stop like that. And you rarely, you know your dogs well enough that that's behavior when yeah they're like, they're usually not afraid of nothing the yeah they're usually not afraid of anything and so i slowly turn around and i always carried and that because there's always either tweakers in the woods or some in just in case there's that that one animal that you you know you need to get away from quick what better right. what better way than than to be able to uh to give it some lead medicine so I turn around slow thinking that, you know, if there's an animal behind me, I don't want to spook it and make it attack me or my dogs. I turn around slow and there in the middle of this cart path, perfectly lit by the moonlight, is a man standing there with um, overalls, torn, one of them was torn at the, like at the knee, kind of shredded down. The other one had a big hole in it right below the knee. Um, he had a straw hat on, like a wide brim straw hat. And a light, uh, like a white cream-colored shirt, just kind of popped open, uh, like maybe three buttons down, just kind of popped open at the top. And he just looked like he was like sweating profusely, like his skin glistened. Looked like he'd just been like working out outside, like sweating all. But he had bare feet. And I was like, "What the heck?" And I said, "Hey, man," because I remember what the owner had always told me. He said, "Hey, I caught some tweakers out here before. Have you ever seen them? Scare them off, whatever." You know, let them know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I don't want to have to shoot anybody. Like, please, <laughs> this is not what I want. You know, right. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if this, you know, I'm like, oh man. So of course I put my hand on, you know, I put my hand on my gun. I'm, I'm ready. I'm mentally preparing myself. If, if this gets crazy, what I'm going to have to do. And I start talking to this person. I say, Hey, you cannot be on this property. Nothing, no response, no movement, no nothing. The person just staring at me. And I notice that this person's eyes are like white. Like I'm talking white, white, like milky white. Like you can see it from the distance. Like he was maybe 15 yards from me. I say, hey man, did you hear me? You cannot be on this property. You do not have permission to be here. And I, I told a little white lie. I was like, hey, I'm the landowner here. You cannot be on my property. And... Nothing, nothing at all. No movement, no nothing. So I grab, I reach down and grab both my dogs, one on each collar. 
and I start walking backwards. Well, I trip, like my boot catches, the back heel of my boot catches on something. I almost fall down and I turn around to look to see what I tripped over. And it was like a little uh, root, like a tree root coming across the path. Right. And I turn back around, person's gone. Nothing. Nothing That's at all. Crazy. Just like, That's just completely crazy. gone. Well, I go and tell the, the owner of the property the next day. I drive down there. I'm like, look, man. Because I packed up. I grabbed my dogs and we left. At that point, I was like, I didn't know if it was just a really a person that was like super fast and like got out of there. Like, like they were hardcore tweaking and left. Or if there was something, you know, I couldn't explain that. I, I didn't know anything about that. So, and I didn't know anything right. about the past of this, the, the history about this property. So I grab my dogs, I leave. And he says... The next day, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, 50 yards from there is the old slave quarters. And I'm like, what? No okay. And he's like, yeah, it's actually got caution tape around it. If you go deep enough into that spot, you can see the caution tape that's around it because there's, you know, it's got places for people to trip and stuff all the time. And, and at one point in time, he had had conservation out there that did a um, – a below, you know, all those sonar scans of the earth oh, really? because he had asked a historian about the property. And I guess there had been a recorded instance where the, there had been an, uh, an altercation between the, the occupants of the slave quarters there. And I guess either the slave master or the, or the, the foreman or whatever that was working the strip mines. Right. Um, the people from the strip mine had gone down to try and continue this altercation at the residence or at, you know, at the slave quarters, it got out of hand. They burnt the shack down threw the bodies out in a mass grave, buried them. And That's then later the, the other slaves later on came out and at least tried to put head and footstones the best that they could to mark these graves. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, how do you know this stuff? Well, he's like, well, the head and footstones are still out there. And I had conservation come out and try and at least go over with their, with their, their scanning equipment just to see if there was potential for there to be, you know, a grave right there. Right. And they said, well, there's definitely. methane probes or something like that? Or... It was like, a, I, don't it, I don't know, like a, like a x-ray card. I don't, I don't know how what they use, but he kind of went over the top of it. And he said, yeah, there's definitely a disturbance that could possibly be indicative of a a large pit so a mass burial spot and That's so crazy. after he told me that i was like you know what i'm gonna take my equipment i'm gonna go up there i'm not i'm gonna i'm not gonna be disrespectful i'm gonna tell them you know kind of try and communicate with them if, if they could you know i brought my recorders out i didn't catch nothing but i got this weird sense of like like dread yeah just dread just like super sadness being in that spot to the point, like I almost couldn't take it being there. And, um, I felt horrible. Like I was sitting there and I was like apologizing, you know, for the deeds of these other people. And I'm like, look, you know, if I'm sorry that you guys got buried this way. And so I swept the leaves from that spot. And yes, there were <laughs> no joke. There were head and footstones that someone had attempted to carve, um, letters or symbols or something into that had been covered by moss and leaching and stuff like that to the point that like, and it had been weathered so bad that I, I wouldn't have been able to make out anything, even if I tried to do a rubbing on it. 
Um, That's crazy, dude. And so I just cleaned up the area, made it a nice, presentable area, and kind of put rocks all the way around it just to designate the spot. So if somebody came through there, they didn't just ride a four-wheeler right over the top of it. Um, and after I left the area, I felt, I felt a lot better. I felt not so – I felt like I had done something good. And um, after that, I mean, I continued to hunt on that property for the next three to five years. I never saw another thing out there. But that's crazy. But I, every time I passed that spot, I always felt like someone was staring at me. You know, I always had to go and look backwards behind me, towards you know the the, the slave quarters or the mine to make sure that nobody was like staring at me because it it really freaked me out. So. I mean, and, and it was enough that my dogs noticed it. So, if, you know, pet animals That's in general, yeah, they tend to be in tune with that kind of stuff. And the fact that they noticed it, that, I mean, I don't know. To me, to me, that's pretty solid. But, I mean, that's that's probably my, my craziest story in the Ozarks that happened personally to me. Not so much stuff that I've, I've gone to investigate for people, but... When, um, I was about 19 or 20, I made friends with this guy that owned a, uh, he owned, it was like a mix between a head shop and a, uh, kind of like a hot topic. Like, there was, you know, uh, head shop sort of pieces in the front um, desk when you walked into the building. Mm-hmm. This was on Pine Street, and there used to be a really kick-ass mural. Uh, it was it adorned the side of the building, and those those buildings on Pine Street are old as hell. But uh, it had like a sci-fi sort of theme, you know, on the side of the building. And you went in, and it was kind of like a hot topic. Like, there was body jewelry and on the bottom retail section of the building, pipes and, you know, stuff like that. And then uh, you went further back, and there was, like, records and T-shirts and just weird toys, like action figures and memorabilia. And then you went upstairs, and it was, like, uh, costumes and, like, plus-size women stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And there was two girls that worked for the guy. And the guy and his wife had an apartment on the top floor next to the retail. And then if you walked further back, there was a utility room that one of their employees turned into a little apartment. It's a nice size room, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, two little stories in particular that stick out with two of the employees. Uh, the guy that owns it, he was, he's just a cool guy. Just, uh, I wish he still lived around here. But um, one of the employees had a uh, key to the shop, obviously, because she had an apartment there. And uh, she went upstairs one day. After, she worked two other jobs when she wasn't helping out at the shop. And... Uh, she rented out that top room and she uh, she was coming home late from work. She was a, a waitress, a 
a server or whatever. And she's heading to the back room. And uh, like I said, these old buildings are, they're old as hell. Uh, they looked cool, but you could tell, like, you almost, they creaked so bad when you walked on the floorboards, that old, that old style wood. You thought you'd wake the dead, you know. She's heading back there to her room. She gets on the top uh, step of the floor, starts making her way through all the plus-size women's clothes, and standing in front of her door is uh, a very intimidating figure. She said the man had to be six, like six four, six five. And he was adorned in like a like a black like a black three piece suit mm-hmm. with suspenders. And he had like a long uh, handlebar mustache and a, just a big beard. And he appeared to be patting the head of a, like a small child, looking up at her as if like, hey. This is a fine little grand person, or you know, I'm proud of this little person, this little child. She said she couldn't see the child; she could just make out like like a little bit of an outline. And he was just like patting them on the head. And this huge figure, she said it wasn't o- ominous. It wasn't like it wasn't like a bad foreboding feeling. Mm-hmm. But she felt like she was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Like her theory is that sometimes ghosts or mourning or something or uh you know that's their unfinished business they, they still gotta come to terms with something they lost or and she was just at the wrong place at the wrong time maybe right? she doesn't know but she said the eeriest thing about it when she knew that it was truly a uh, supernatural phenomenon is that uh they were translucent she said how she described it was like if you could take like a hologram, like an old movie projector, yeah, and you project the image, and it could take on a 3D shape, but it was glitchy, like the projected image would kind of face in and out sometimes, yeah, and that it was kind of translucent, like uh, it was like a, this skip or delay in time, you know, yeah, and like- uh, she's like. She said it didn't feel like a ghost in the sense of, like, the scary movies, like, they're creaking around and they're, like, flying through walls and they're, you know. She said it just felt like this repeated image that she just happened to stumble upon. You know what I mean? That's awesome, yeah. Just a a playback, you know. I've never heard anybody describe, like, a ghost, uh... I don't know, like, I've never heard anybody tell me a testimony like that. Like, most of the people that have told me stories are like, and then they walked towards me, and they looked like a, you know, it was a physical manifestation, you know, and it was almost as real, like, as real as, you know, me or you. And I'm sure that's occurred to people, but this was like the most realistic explanation of a ghost encounter I've ever heard. If they are, if it is even a ghost, maybe some things that are quote unquote on ghosts are just something, an event, uh, vibrations or, or, or something stuck in that moment in time, you know, and it's yeah. just maybe on repeat and some triggers it maybe. I don't know. 
but uh aside from like people walking up and down stairs that was the only time i've heard anything weird regarding that building but those are so strange and one story that i want to share with you before i have to wrap it up that i think you'll appreciate this one uh, a friend of mine she was telling me that she had to babysit this, this like hippie couple it was kind of like a hippie couple's kids uh, at their house out in Cook Station. Are you familiar with Cook Station? Yeah, I am, yeah. Um, I'm not as, uh, as well as I know the Ozarks, I have not ventured out there maybe but two to- two times, and it was like to pick somebody up. But what, 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 what do you feel about Cook Station, if you were to describe it to somebody? Oh, <laughs> uh, shoot. Honestly, for me, it... It's <laughs> it's almost it's almost like if you know you know like when you're at the movie theater and you and you uh, everyone gets their snacks and their popcorn and they eat it and they're all enjoying it and having a good time and and really living it up and and then they all leave and and leave behind all their the ghosts of popcorn kernels past yeah like it's all <laughs> but but you know someone had a good time there at one point in time and it was a happening place. That's probably how I would describe it. You know, you get... I, yeah, I feel like it was a happening place yeah. a long time ago. But uh, he went out to watch... He, She went out to go watch these hippie kids, or the hippies' kids. And uh, they, actually, these hippies, were, they did well for themselves. They were in business for themselves, so they were actually doing all right. And they had a pretty nice house out there. It was like an old converted, like, to modern looks. But it was an old farmhouse. Two-story modern. Two-story uh, farmhouse. And you could tell they'd done really cool work to it. But they'd moved in not too long ago. In fact, you said there's still boxes being unpacked. And if we're being honest with ourselves, how many families, or maybe even ourselves, of, like, people that have, like, been maybe two years, three years into the house, they're still unpacking stuff slowly. Hey, this studio that I'm, the studio I'm recording in now today, I just, in order to set it up, I had to like move a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) I did. I I just had to move a bunch of stuff today. So she said that, um, when she like went into the house, she also kind of realized, oh, man, there is a lot of work still left to do in this old house. But a lot of the stuff was still original. Like, the doors were gorgeous. You know, the hand, like, people actually by hand, you know, shaped in carpentry these fancy designs in wood and beveled edges and stuff. But uh, I mean, most of the stuff was original. But they, you know, the family kept doing neat artistic things to the house to you know, make, make it look cute and whatnot. And there's four kids. And, uh, I'll never forget this story. Um, the girl comes in and it starts storming really bad. Lightning so loud that it could, it would shake the screen door. So she's 
to engage the kids and keep their minds off the storm. She's like, hey, what if we played hide and go seek in this big house? Like, how does that sound? And the kids all agreed on it. And uh, they all, she's like, I, I guess I'll, I'll go first. And she said, uh, the, like the first match, she said it was pretty easy. And she's like, guys, this is a big house. Don't be afraid to like branch out. You know, there's a whole top floor. Let, let's, and the older kids are, of course, excited at the prospect of getting to, you know, check, do the whole house. So the little brother, the, the youngest, he gets picked to be, to, to seek everybody out, right? Mm-hmm. And she's helping the other three. She's like, what if you, like, hid behind the piano? You know, what if you hid behind the piano? And uh, the older daughter's like, yeah, that's a great idea. The, the older boy, the oldest, he's like, no, I know a cool spot upstairs. I'm going to go up there. So he runs into his parents' master bedroom. And uh, she, she runs upstairs. And as soon as you come upstairs on off the landing down the hallway, is a bathroom that kind of overlooks the entire hallway. So you can see all the bedrooms and then you can see the stairs heading downward. So you have like the perfect bird's eye view, right? Mm-hmm. So she closes the door and hides behind it for a second. And she said it's just cracked enough that she can see uh, the little boy coming up the stairs, right? As he's coming up the stairs, he stalls because of like lightning strikes and it kind of freaks him out mm-hmm. and he gets up to the landing and he stops and he's like looking around and he opens the first bedroom as soon as he comes up the stairs and nobody in there and he shuts it he comes further down this and checks like the utility closets and stuff and there's a spare bedroom that's door still open that uh He turns around and looks into it, and she said that the power went out for like a split second. And the only light illuminating the hallway was when the lightning kind of flashed. And she said that his eyes got wide. And he screamed bloody murder and took off downstairs. And she she went down and she said, and all the kids, of course, were scared from their hiding spots. They came down to the couch downstairs next to the TV that was facing, like, you know, some people put TVs in the corners of the rooms. Yeah. Because it's kind of spatially the wisest place to put your couch in front of you. So, the, so there's like a gap behind the TV. Well, he goes and sits on the couch, and she, like, asks him. She's like, well, what happened? And she, he's like, that wasn't, and he kept repeating his older brother's name, that wasn't him, that wasn't him, that wasn't him. 
she said, well, who was it? And he, like, wiped his tears away, and he said that it was a, a decayed man sitting on his mom's, um, on top of her uh, laundry basket. Oh, shit. Like a, a nude guy, rotten, just looking up at him, like propped up on it and looking up at him. And uh, he said that he was like really gaunt and he was rotten looking. Okay, well. And uh, the, the power came back on and the storm was still going, but... She's like, I'm going to take their mind off of it. I'm going to change some cartoons or something. So she puts on cartoons and they're watching. She decided to go into the kitchen, make them a little snack, you know. And she gets up. As she gets up. The power goes off again. And she whips around facing that TV sitting in the corner of the building. And she said that all the kids started screaming when they saw, like, a gaunt, naked, rotten man holding his hands up, like, to shield his eyes almost. And he slid behind the TV. And they said the smell of, like, rotten meat, just like a sweet, rotten smell, permeated the air. And she puked. She was thrown up. And the power came back on. And the kids were freaked out. Kids are freaked out. Come to find out, they didn't stay very long in the house. Um, they end up moving. Uh, they talked to the realtor because things got progressively worse when the babysitter went to talk to my friend, you know. And um, come to find out, uh, I guess the husband gunned her down. No. Yeah, the husband gunned his wife down and killed himself in his rocking chair which is in the corner of the room wow and the only reason that uh, his body was found was because uh, the, the male the male lady used to bullshit with him every day and she's like you know three days of not talking to him is a little alarming all right, can I tell you one last story? And then I'm going to have to probably get off here. Yeah, you're good. Go ahead. Shoot for it. So this uh, Mormon boy that I was in the school plays with, he was a really humorous kid. Very smart, very sharp. But it was his wit. He was just so funny and so quick-witted. I knew that if he wanted any sort of lead role in the play, he would get it. And I was right. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, I was in the school plays up until high school, and um, I thought I was a good actor too. Uh, I felt like I got typecast kind of as a comedic character, and I always wanted to do more serious, but um, just getting to act was a fun period. And I made friends with him, and I looked up to him a lot. And uh, actually, I was interested in comic books since I was a kid, but he really kicked me. He really had me bite off on some really good stuff. But uh, I read DC Comics because of him. But when um, we went on a uh, school trip a few times, 
drama department. And it was usually to go see plays. And I always thought that was like the golden years of uh, school because I don't feel like kids nowadays get to go to anything cool for school trips because our world's so fucking crazy, you know, people are always like shooting or mugging, you know? Yeah. But have you ever noticed that when we were kids, we went on field trips like all the time. I was like thinking back and I was like, man, we were kind of spoiled, you know, to some degree. We were exposed to a lot of museums. We were exposed to plays, whether it was like Leech Theater or these local theaters. We got to see a lot of plays, you know? And me and and this, uh, I'll call him Kay. Me and Kay would sit on the bus and first it was comic books and then he started getting into kind of more like darker adult things. And he was telling me about a a really, really, really crazy story. And they, uh, they used to live, they bought a house on Orchard Street. This is worth a Google because I looked it up myself and the story kind of checks out. Okay. So uh, they moved to Orchard Street and uh, their parents got a new job here. And um, they were telling me that uh, he's telling me that the, the house was great and everything. They love the street. There's kids on the street. And uh, he was just living it up for a hot minute. But then he realized that there's something off about the house. He would wake up in the mornings to what sounded like a domestic dispute. And he's like, that's really uncharacteristic of my parents, but I got to go make sure if mom's okay. Yeah. That's natural for a kid. I don't know why we do that. Anything time, you know, kid thinks there's a fight, you're looking out for mom. But he went to go see what was going on between his parents. His folks were asleep, dude. Mm, I started off with, like, things like that. Like, he thought he heard arguments and stuff. And just like every other kid, you know, little kid, what was our favorite thing to do on Saturday mornings? Oh, I watched some cartoons like it was nobody's business. <laughs> we would grab a big bowl of cereal and we'd go watch some cartoons. And we had great cartoons. We didn't have streaming services. There was a block dedicated to Saturday morning cartoons. And that's, that's a dead thing now. Uh, actually, I kind of think that's why kids are screwed up. We haven't playing Grand Theft Auto and watching tablets staring like, you know, zombies, but this guy spoke the truth of what childhood was. You woke up and he grabbed you a big old bowl of fruity pebbles or something with marshmallows in it and you ate it <laughs> and you hope to see the superhero show. You wanted to see the good stuff. You want to see the Ninja Turtles. You want to see the X-Men, Wildcats, uh, Captain Planet. You wanted to see the bad guy get his butt kicked every Saturday morning. Am I right? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. So he comes down, he runs down, and he's about to go grab a bowl of cereal, and he hears a blood-curdling scream, like a woman being choking, you know, or she got hurt, or yeah. she's got a knife pulled on her or something, she's just screaming. And he said, it didn't sound anything like my mom's. Like, it was a much higher, like, timber, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, he said he, he's, he's like halfway down the scare, stairs and his just blood went cold. 
then he hears what he said he heard what sounded like like flesh smacking against flesh like just a really loud hit and then he heard like a man just, he said just the angriest man like if you do that again if you try to leave i'm gonna kill you and he ran back upstairs and he just like waited his and then he said it then it got scarier uh, the events started happening closer to him. He felt like at first it was just he was spectating something bad. And then he said that it started shifting into things being bad for him. Ooh. He's saying like one morning he was taking his shower. And if you know this guy, <laughs> it matches up because he's constantly singing at the top of his voice, even if uh, even if he can't sing. And actually he had a passable voice, but I'm just saying... He was always singing, he was joking, he was loud. His nickname was Farley. Everybody called him Farley. Yeah. But Kay uh, said one morning he was, like, washing his hair. And soaps, like, the suds are running down in his eyes. And he's just belting out a tune. And from the other side of his curtain, he hears, you're going to shut your damn mouth. And he's like, Ooh. what? And... He heard like a cough, and then he he felt like a presence of like a really large man with a heavy gait, standing on the other side of the mirror and breathing. And he slung open the curtain. There's nobody there. <laughs> he said, it, oftentimes he's in the bathroom. He hear like an angry, sounding man by the sink. Uh. So he got freaked out, and he finally. And he, he's like, you know, there's a part of me I didn't want to, I was wise enough to know, even as a kid, I don't want to kill my parents high. Yeah. New homeowners, they got new jobs, the kids are enrolled in a good school, they have a nice new house. He didn't want to be, he didn't want to be the one to do that. But he decided he was going to. He's like, I think there's something going on in the house. And they're like, well, what do you mean? There's something wrong with the house. And the dad's kind of like fidgeting. Mm. And the dad's like, I've had a few things I've been questionable about, but we, there's not, not really anything we can do about it right now. Okay? And uh, he said that he went to sleep, and, and he's progressively started getting more and more, like, really, like, lucid dreams, like, very vivid nightmares. Yeah. The one that stuck out in particular was a uh, was a an army of soldiers up and down Orchard Street. This army of demonic soldiers had like a very heavy smog coming out of their mouth. And their eyes were illuminated almost by fire. These demonic beings marched up and down the block, stopping at doors and knocking on them. He said he woke up in a cold sweat. And his dad and mom admitting admitted to him that they too were having some really intense uh phenomenon happening to them. Wow. Some of their personal effects being smashed. Phone calls late at night. Things 
things that they couldn't explain that got them worked up and they're like yeah and we found out that there was a homicide suicide oh a man was beating his wife in the the late 50s early 60s he's beating his wife and one night it got so bad that uh, she was taken into the she was taken into custody and he, he found her up. He, he tried to get her out. He followed her up to the station. And the cops snagged him and said, you're not going back to the house and you're not going to the station. If you have some loved ones or a place you need to be, go there because she's not putting up with that. She don't have to. Somehow he snuck out of there. Their view, because there's some patrol cars at the house too, and uh, mind you, this came from a night of like daily beatings, and she'd run to her neighbors, knocking on the door, the door, you know. Yeah. Or he'd drag her back to their house, but uh, he, he stepped past the cops. He hopped a fence and he sent past the cops into the house. He allowed her to grab her personal effects and go to her parents' house. And they were going to escort her back. The cops let her inside under the assumption that he, he was no longer there. She went to go get her personal effects and pack up for the night. And he drug her by the hair and shot her in the head and then went into the bathroom. And he shot himself. Crazy, huh? And, and it's worth a Google. Look it up. Look it. Look it up. I'm. I'm gonna have to now because it's you know it's stuff like that that you know you can have. Needless good... to say, they didn't stay in the house. <laughs> they yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is yeah, like uh, you do hear that from you do hear that that's a common theme in like haunted house stories a lot of times. Well, yes, uh, especially if if you. Well, be- nobody. That's not entirely true. Like. I've had people live in haunted houses, but they didn't feel that the spirits that dwelled there were necessarily malevolent, you know? Yeah. These are just two stories I'm telling you where the occupants were in the house and they felt a presence. Yeah. Or they, they met a, a, a an, entity, an entity that was out for harm. Yeah, a, so. a malicious type spirit. Yeah, that's and that's and that's one thing that whether you believe it or not, there there has been, you know, it, it's an idea, it's a a thought out there that, and it's coin the the phrase is coined is the the stone tape theory, and that the theory stands that anything that's a natural material tends to absorb emotions, especially heavy emotions, and replay them like a, a tape recorder. Exactly. And, and especially in houses, when you got old original wood floors, old original materials from that house, they tend to replay. Clean, yeah. yeah, and Clean especially if once the situation and the, and the instances are, are right, you know, maybe it's the same time every year, maybe it's the same temperature, maybe it's the same whatever, Something triggers that to replay, and 
you know, for us, we hear it. I think that there's some people that have a higher, I kind of agree with you. I think there's people that have a higher spiritual capacity than others. Yeah. Some to levels that they don't even know. And how many times, and, and children especially, and we don't know what sort of little triggers we're setting up off, you know? Yeah. I think, I think there's people that are spiritually stronger than others, and those people struggle. They struggle with a phenomenon like that. I, I highly believe that, more so than others. I think people that are skeptical and are just, like, quick to poo-poo on the idea, and, like, I don't believe in, you know, religion. I don't believe in da-da-da. I don't believe in... Well, they'll argue that it's because... Uh, Science is proven time and time again that that there's no such thing as an afterlife or, or beings from that realm. And um, science just means the study of the natural world. But there's a there's events and phenomenon that either A, we don't have the means of studying it because we haven't developed technology for it yet, or B, is that it's it operates outside of some of those established laws that we have. Uh, yeah. Hence the name supernatural. If science is the study of the natural order of things, then how, how, in, how in God's green earth are we going to be able to study things of the supernatural order? Very few people have even tried to attempt to classify whatever these beings are. Yeah. Ghosts or spirits or demons. You know, there's very little like literature that's taken seriously on the matter. Yeah. Um, but those arcs, uh, I do honestly, I could go on and on about how strange the Ozarks are and how much, how much of a, like almost a nexus of energy and, and activity and history that the Ozarks itself are, because we are, we were basically a few paths they kicked off a lot of things once you went over the Mississippi. Yeah. Where the archway, uh, tribes of people, uh, immigrants in huge populations. Uh, and like I said, like, we don't fully know about these proto beings that ex existed before the Pleistocene and onward. Like, um, we don't really know what dwelled here. We didn't know their level of intelligence. Uh, I think it's I think it's really arrogant to say that we were the only sentient beings walking around on the earth before recorded history. That's stupid. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that either. But uh, the Ozarks holds. Um, there's not, in my opinion, there's not a whole lot of places that hold a candle to the weird phenomenon that happened here. I've lived here all my life and uh, some very salt of the earth people who that's how it is. That's how I do it. I get up and I go to work sort of people have told me personal testimonies, you know, so it's not something I take lightly and I don't think it's something to necessarily scoff at. I think we've gotten too quick to do that, Yeah. but I've enjoyed the podcast and I, I, I think, uh, we conclude it here, and um, if people, hopefully, if people like like me well enough, I can show up on your show because I've got, I've got some things I've 
studied myself and little notes that I put aside for you. So, um, awesome. It's a pleasure being on and I, and I hope to see the, the finished product and, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited you're getting the ball rolling on this finally. So, hey, and I appreciate uh, you being on the show. That's, it's definitely been a blast and, and like I label this one, uh, Ghost in the Ozarks part one, we're definitely going to have us a part two and not only are we going to have us a part two, but then I am going to delve into, um, our mine and my family's wonderful experience. I may even have my wife on here, but our wonderful that experience. Would that would be great. That would yeah, be great. Yeah, we, we lived in a haunted house <laughs> for uh, almost two years, so that's gonna be for part two, but because it's we awesome. got I got a lot of ghost stories awesome. with that one. Um so but yeah, for thank- uh, for all the viewers out there for uh paranormal or no, I, I hope that you stay tuned in because Jake's Jake's got a lot of cool stuff lined up for you guys. Thank you, Jake. I'll see you later, bud. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap it up for our show for today. Um, Thank you for all of you who have joined in or have gone back and watched this video. Um, One thing that was brought up on today's show was the topic of mental health. Um, A lot of people in the paranormal field understand the concept and understand the importance of mental health as far as with our investigations and ourselves, um, getting delving into other people's possible emotions or attachments to things opens ourselves up to a lot of, uh, a lot of struggles, a lot of emotional barriers that we have to overcome to continue in the field. But not only that, but people don't really truly grasp the concept of how, a role that mental health for others from the past play in paranormal happenings and unexplained circumstances. Um, so if you or anyone know a loved one or you yourself struggle from mental health issues or depression or suicidal thoughts, do not be afraid to talk to somebody. That's something that's I don't think we do enough of pushing that in the world today. A lot of people, you know, especially for men, you know, it's more of a, oh man, I don't want to be a sissy. I don't want to, you know, no, talk about your feelings. Find somebody who will listen because I'm, sh- I promise you, those out there who know you and care about you would much rather hear anything and everything you have to say, no matter how crazy it sounds, than to hear your obituary read out loud. I promise you that. Um, but I want to give a special shout out before we get out of here. Um, to a band back home, back where I grew up, uh, the band's Lion Snake. They provided me with some really awesome intro and outro music. Um, check them out on YouTube, Spotify, and I'll find out whatever other platforms they got their music out on. But they're instrumental band, and they're amazing. So um, join us the next time, and there will be a part two for our Ghosts in the Ozarks. Um, Please stay tuned. If you're following us on YouTube, make sure that you like and subscribe so that way you can get future content and notifications of future content. Um, I'm going to be eventually including links on on the pages that I have for Instagram. Um, I'm getting ready to put up Facebook for it so that way you guys can find us on Facebook. But also, um, just started the TikTok today. It was definitely kind of dorky. I don't know how to use it yet. Eventually, I will have some cool stuff on there. Um... And then just find us on YouTube. Look up Paranormal or No. 
and look for a picture of me, but I don't have this nice, wonderful beard. Um, but thank you guys all for joining us. I will see you on the next episode.